Dracula, Godbrand, and Carmilla, oh my. Get your whips and magic ready for our review of Castlevania Season 2 and this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everyone, welcome to Cheerful Ghost Radio. My name is Travis, and for this episode I'm joined by... Tim. And John. And in this episode we're going to be talking about Netflix's latest show, Castlevania Season 2. But as we like to do every month, we're going to chat a bit about what we've been playing and watching over the past month. So, Tim, what you've been playing and watching? All right, so what I've been playing is uh, mostly just Divinity Original Sin 2 and uh, Stardew Valley multiplayer. I uh, finally got my wife to uh, start up a farm with me, and now she is hopelessly addicted, and I may have created a monster because every night she's home, she is now making me play it with her. Uh, we also... <laughs> Recently watched, um, uh, we watched the full season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, and I actually liked that more than I thought I would. <clears throat> it's, uh, I mean, there's a bit of the kind of like teen drama aspect in it, but it goes way darker and like way more into the occult than I was expecting, and it was it was pretty entertaining. Um, Yay, Satan. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, other than that, I uh, haven't really been watching or playing much else. Um, been playing a lot of the Castlevania NES game, but we'll uh, we're gonna do a future episode on that, so I won't uh, won't touch on that too much. Cool. What about you, John? So I'll start with what I've been playing. I've been playing Super Mario 3D Land on the Wii U. Uh, I mentioned a bit ago that I got a Wii U um, finally. Uh, collect. I, I got one to collect and Super Mario 3D Lands, a game I've been playing with some friends and also by myself. And it's so much fun. Uh, get get a couple people together, have them play the game. Um, like I said, I think I've said before, the hardest thing is just making sure you land all the jumps it takes a little bit because it's kind of like an isometric um, platformer, much kind of like Mario Galaxy. It kind of reminds me of, of like the next version of that, except you don't go upside down, or at least I haven't yet in the game. So it's kind of like if new Super Mario Brothers mixed with Mario Galaxy, you get Super Mario 3D Land. And I kind of hope that it comes to the Switch at some point. That would be really fun. But there's no uh, Nintendo hasn't noted that yet. But, you know, like they've they kind of do that sort of thing where they um, port the uh, port really great games off of past systems that maybe weren't quite as popular as they wanted. Um yeah, and I also heard some rumors, and I'm curious what you guys think about this rumor, but I heard rumors that we might be getting um, Zelda, the flying game, uh, the Zelda Skyward Sword on uh, the Switch. I'm curious if Skyward Sword came to the Switch, would you guys play it? And did you play the Wii version, Travis? I did not play it, but it would be another opportunity to finally try it. I don't know why I skipped it the first time around, but yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to jumping back in as long as they don't release it for like 60 bucks. But who knows? Yeah, they probably will. <laughs> but that seems to be how they do out, their ports. Yeah. 
totally, totally. It came out at the like tail end of the Wii cycle. Anyways, uh, Tim, would you get Skyward Sword for the Switch? Uh, I have it for the Wii, and I, I uh, it, it was one of the Zeldas that I just was not a fan of. It yeah, felt like I don't know. I, I think I played it for about three and a half hours. And it still felt like I was in the tutorial. Like every couple feet, there's like a little cutscene trying to tell you how to do something. And it was just way too much hand holding. And it was the first Zelda game I ever played that felt like a chore. So I. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I, I never actually finished it. I never got that far into it and never really wanted to go back and play it anymore. So if it did come out on the Switch, I'd say I'd be a hard pass. Wow. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll remaster it and change elements of it. I know when they did um, Ocarina of Time 3D, they did the same. They changed some of the water temple. So, yeah, mm. we'll yeah, see. Maybe. Yeah, I heard some complaints of- that it was a little gimmicky, maybe, with um, the Motion Plus controller. And some people had it some was, issues yeah. where they were relying too much on that and not giving you a lot of other gameplay, maybe. Yeah, and the Motion Controls... Um, it, it, the novelty wore off really fast. Right. Uh, what they tried to do was kind of almost like a one-to-one, like where, you know, how you hold the Wiimote is how Link holds his sword. And <clears throat> like I said, it it seemed really cool, like at first, because like as you're walking around, you find that, you know, you, you move your Wiimote in such a way so that it looks like Link's holding his sword in a more natural position, you know, like as you're walking around or you can make him like hold it at some weird angle or, you know, kind of just play around with it. But then when it came to the actual combat, like everything just basically just came down to either swiping vertically or swiping at an angle. And there was like these weird visual cues you're supposed to pick up to see which way you're supposed to do it. And it, it gets old really fast. Well, hopefully if they uh, re-release it on the Switch, they fix some of that. Yeah. Because uh, I'd love to play it, and I never did, but with a review like that, mm, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So, um, uh, I mean, if as, Nintendo wants to hook us up with some review copies, you know, we'll uh, we'll gladly give it a second chance. I know. Well, Me you've been Moto, talking uh, shit about it the whole time, Tim. Now they won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Be like, they're going to hold it back. They're going to hold it back. So uh, what else I've been playing is... Uh, Recently, I was at the beach with some friends. And when you're at the beach with friends, you bring the Super Nintendo Classic along because I got a carrying case for it. Fits really great in there. And uh, that was a great idea because we played Mario Kart, Mario World and Street Fighter when the kids were in bed. And that was so much fun. So I seriously recommend if you're going to go someplace with friends and you have friends that play games, just bring your classic along. It's great. The games are so much fun. Uh, Like Tim mentioned. Uh, I've also played Castlevania on the NES, so a little spoiler alert, we're doing a double feature themed episode where we're going to be doing a Castlevania uh, Netflix review for this one, and then we're going to be reviewing Castlevania on the NES, so uh, this is going to, it's kind of a fun sort of um, linking of the two episodes. So as far as what I've been watching, um, on the tail end of Halloween, I watched Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is the first time I've seen it, which is kind of, that. that is so good. It really is. So I like the conceit of the movie very much. It's just these rednecks who are very nice, very nice people. And these, um, I don't know how to say like these like jock kids from college that are really like they think that they're stupid, dumb hicks that are going to kill them. So they just it's like a series of unfortunate misunderstandings (laughs) where these college kids think Tucker Dale are going to murder them. 
but they're not. So they try to attack them and die. <laughs> it's hilariously weird. It's so weird. I've never seen a horror movie quite like it. I really like the conceit. I thought it was really fun. If you haven't seen it, get on Netflix and give it a shot. It's Sheriff, really fun. We had a, had a doozy of a day. These college kids <laughs> keep trying to kill themselves on our property. <laughs> I know. The sheriff kind of believes them, yeah. but kind of doesn't. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Just, just a lot of fun. Um, uh, Disney, uh, still has a deal with Netflix until the end of the year. And so we watched a wrinkle in time, which is a new Disney movie, um, by Ava DuVernay, the director. She did, um, Selma as well. Uh, this movie came out after that and a wrinkle in time is it's a kid's movie and boy, is it an awesome kid's movie. If you have kids and you want to watch a fun action, like, like an adventure movie that doesn't have a crazy amount of fighting, where it's not like, but it's a, an adventure movie about overcoming. Um, it's great. It's just such a sweet movie. It's not perfect. It got savaged in reviews. I don't quite understand. It's a kid's movie and it's really fun for being a kid's movie. And it's not violent. It's not trying to set up a, you know, like a new universe or anything like that. It's just really sweet. And uh, Captain Kirk is incredible in it. Chris Pine is fantastic. All the actors are really good. The kid actors are fantastic. It was a great movie. It's great. Um, so Netflix um, has been destroying in a good way movies that they've been making. And they came out with another movie also starring Captain Captain Kirk, Chris, a.k.a. Chris Pine, called Outlaw King. Holy smokes, is it good? Wow. Um, whew. OK, so we, we've all seen well, a lot of us have seen Braveheart from the 90s with Mel Gibson for freedom. You know what I mean? You know what I mean <laughs> right. You've seen it. You've seen it. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's in all of his jingoistic glory and, you know, ah, shucks, love my country isms. It doesn't maybe hold up as well, but it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. So the Outlaw King is about Robert the Bruce and Robert the Bruce was a character in Braveheart. And so Outlaw King does something a little bit different, which it focuses on Robert the Bruce and um, uh, William Wallace's uh, character in the movie. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil it, but he's not a big character in the movie, but he's a part of it. But it's definitely a story about Robert the Bruce. And I like how it exists in that um, in that story by something totally different. Um, it's a great, great film. Like I say, Chris Pine is fantastic. All the actors are great. And Netflix is just killing it with amazing Amazing movies. And this one's actually accessible, too. I think the only note I would say is that it's quite violent. So if you don't like blood or action, do not watch this because they're beating the shit out of each other and they don't hold back. Um, but it's so good. Wow. Netflix hat tip, man. So um, then I'm going to talk about more Netflix movies, too, that are just, just so good. Anyways, um, so I love my favorite show in the world is Mystery Science Theater 3000. So. Um, every every Thanksgiving, they do MST3K Turkey Day, which is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 marathon. And um, this year they did it a week before Thanksgiving. Um, and that was really fun. They had like, I believe, six or seven movies they did. One of the movies they did was uh, one of the new off the new season 11. They did um, Cry Wilderness, which is a crazy, amazing episode. It's already kind of to the level of, you know, fan favorite. Cry Wilderness is an episode about... Um, this kid who's at a boy's home who Bigfoot comes to tell him that his dad's in trouble. 
Um, and then it's a Bigfoot kind of adventure where they try to save his dad. It's the weirdest <laughs> shit you're ever going to see. Guys, you have to see Cry Wilderness. It's incredible. Like the kid wakes up and Bigfoot's like, Billy, your dad's in trouble. It's, it's so great. You just you have to treat yourself and watch Cry Wilderness if you're going to see an MST. 3K. Anyways, and that was a great Turkey Day marathon. Um, season 12 dropped on Thanksgiving. That's why they bumped it. Um, and season 12 is a little different than season 11. There's only six episodes. And the first episode is Mac and Me. And wow. I mean, so if you guys know, Mac and Me is the movie where Paul Rudd, every time he goes on the Conan O'Brien show, he plays a clip from that movie. Yeah. Where a little kid in a wheelchair falls off a ravine <laughs> into the water. <laughs> So it's so funny. He's Paul Rudd's been doing this for like, I don't know, 10 years ever since he was on the Conan show. Um, wow. And and it's such a great episode to riff because it's basically just a knockoff of E.T. It's just terrible with just the worst product placement for like McDonald's. Like the kids walk into a McDonald's and that old actor from the 80s, 90s who played Ronald McDonald is in there at the kid's birthday party. Um they, the kids like have Otter Pops, Pepsi or Coke. I can't remember. It's just it's just the worst kind of product placement, but it's so fun. Uh, and I watched that and it's a, it's classic. It's such a great episode. Then I watched uh, Atlantic Rim, which is a Pacific Rim knockoff done by Asylum <laughs> Films. They do like mockbusters. So MSD, this is a first thing for them, which is them riffing movies intentionally bad on purpose. Well, I don't know about on purpose, but it's terrible and it's so fun for them to riff it. Atlantic Rim is terrible. So I'm going to continue. That's also on Netflix. MST 3K season 12. It's incredible. Um, Atlantic Rim and Mac and Me. But just watch Mac and Me. Watch Cry Wilderness if you're going to watch anything. So again, like I say, Netflix has been courting amazing directors. Um, and they got another film by the Coen brothers. The Coen brothers on Netflix. Incredible. Their latest film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So the Coen brothers have done films like... Um, no Country for Old Men. They've done uh, movies like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? They've done movies like The Big Lebowski. And their latest movie, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, is a movie like a Western. It's a Western movie with like six or seven short stories in it. So they're all themed about stories from the Old West. And it's a treat. Um, I would say that it's it's very funny, but it also edges on dark. So if you don't want to be depressed, don't watch it because some of them are. But it's so good. It's Coen Brothers magic. And it's so much fun. The The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is the first story. And then they go into other stuff. Um, I do want to talk about one of the actors in it on uh, the meal ticket um, segment. Um, that thespian in it is actually Vernon Dursley from Harry Potter all grown up um and hmm. it's hilarious i'm like i know that kid i know that guy from somewhere oh my god it's vernon dursley he lost weight and he's an amazing actor so well, you um, say all grown up wasn't vernon his uncle oh well what's the kid dursley's name then? Uh, dudley 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 okay dudley yeah, yeah, dursley yeah. so it's dudley and he's grown up and he's great he's an amazing actor so um and that's liam neeson and dudley dursley in a in a, in a short um and uh, he ain't no Qui Gon Jinn. I'll just say that for uh, Liam Neeson's character. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about two albums and then I'm going to kick it because I've talked for a lot. But uh, I got a new Smashing Pumpkins album recently, Shiny and Oh So Bright. They're back with the original lineup. Um, it's a new album. It's really good. Uh, some of the songs sound like 1979. It's just it's it's really good. It's just a really good album. And then I also got Megadeth Countdown to Extinction, which is an old album that I never had before. I got it from Goodwill. Boy, is it a lot of fun. Um, yeah, if you like you know, metal, you know, um, countdown to extinctions, a really, really great album. So that's what I've been playing and that's what I've been watching. Awesome. Yeah. I've been, um, playing far more than watching this month because man, it's been a hell of a month for video games. Um, to start off with what I've been watching though, last month, my wife got me the office complete series on DVD, which, uh, they don't have the complete series on Blu-ray, but, um, so we're going back through it again on Netflix, but then we're switching over to the DVDs for all the special features. And it's really kind of interesting to have watched this show like seven times all the way through and now getting to see new stuff and all these deleted scenes that I'd never seen before. And some of it is really, really good that, you know, they've, they've got to cut things down to that 24 minute time slot. So I get why they had to cut some stuff, but I wish they didn't have to because it's hilarious. Um, yeah, we've been going through that and we recently watched the last season of house of cards on Netflix and it's, it's kind of mixed. Uh, the first couple episodes start off with kind of, you know, yeah, look, Kevin Spacey isn't here anymore. That's weird, right? It was all part of the plan though, because this, and it's just kind of, ham-fisted at first but once they get in the swing of things they set up a lot of really good plot and then they just never resolve it like this is the last season and it ends on a cliffhanger and uh it was so rut row yeah it was kind of a gut punch when they finished off like in the last few seconds with this massive cliffhanger and we'll never find out what happened but yeah kind of a mixed season overall but you know good in the middle it's just kind of the way they started off was a little bit rocky and then they didn't bother to finish it but yeah like i said this has been a great month for video games um i'm still playing egg incorporated egg inc however you want to say that on ios that is a very addictive game so stop travis come back to the real world (laughs) let it go yeah i'm not like actively playing it much you know it's an idler so you know, you just kind of pick it up and totally upgrade your stuff a few times a day. But yeah, I got to give it to them. They really nailed that idol. Like what's that genre called? It's like clicker. Yeah, idol games. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They really nailed the formula for that. Um, I agree. It's a very fluid um, progression. Very much. Very much. Yeah. But Red Dead Redemption 2 came out a few weeks back. And, ah, man, I've been like thinking, actively thinking about this a lot. And I think it literally might be the best video game I've ever played. Like it is just so damn good. Red Dead Redemption one was my favorite one last generation. And it's just better in every single way. It is so good. It's kind of a slow paced game. It, I think I can't really I'm spoiled by steam showing you exactly how much time you've put into a game. You can't really see that on the PS4, but I would estimate close to like 90 hours and I'm still missing quite a bit of stuff. 
Uh, it's, but yeah, it's kind of slow paced, especially at the beginning when they're kind of showing you the ropes, but it's just beautiful and cinematic. I don't have the words for it really. It's just a masterpiece. Then last week, the second Spider-Man DLC came out and eh, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's the, the first DLC was pretty fun. This one, you know, maybe I just need to get good, but man, it's difficult. Like it's just punishingly difficult. Even I even knocked it down to the easiest difficulty level and it's still just kicking my ass. I'm going to get back to it, but I've been kind of distracted by fallout 76, which is another mixed bag. It's got a lot of really good stuff underneath a lot of weird decisions and bugs. Um, like my biggest problem with it right now is that all the containers in the game are instants. So if the three of us are out in a building and I open up a locker and loot it, you guys can go loot it as well. But if there's like an object in the game, like a desk fan sitting on a desk and I pick it up, then it's gone. And unfortunately there's a lot of parts for all these bases or base building items that like screws, gears, springs. So there's a few items that everybody wants and they're always gone because somebody's gone and grabbed them. You have to like keep server hopping to do stuff. They really need to balance like respawn, balance the respawn timer for that or something because it's kind of a drag. There's a few uh, quest related bugs that they've patched, but there's still a few left that I've run into. But I mean, overall it's, there's a, a lot of really great stuff there. It's a lot of fun but it's just, you kind of shake your head every now and then and like, why they, why did they decide to do this? But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. I kind of get what the bad press for this game is all about, but I think it's too harsh. I think it's probably mostly that it's just not a game that people wanted. It's if I think it had a different word on the title besides fallout, it might be doing better, but yeah, overall, I think I'm going to like it. Hey there, this is John Dotson from Cheerful Ghost Radio, and thanks for listening to the show. If you like what we're doing here and want to help support us, I encourage you head over to Cheerful Ghost and click the heart at the top of the page. You can help us fund the important work of this podcast and Cheerful Ghost by supporting us on Patreon, which is a site for funding the things you love. If you fund us at a member level, you get awesome benefits on Cheerful Ghost, so head over... Find out one funding level works for you and support Cheerful Ghost today. So head over to CheerfulGhost.com, click the heart, and support us on Patreon. My father, he's gone mad. And now he's going to destroy the world. All right, we are going to get into our discussion about Castlevania Season 2 according to Rotten Tomatoes, and I can confirm that this is true because I've watched the season, as Dracula and his legion of vampires prepare to rid the world of humanity's stain, an unlikely trio of heroes dares to stand in their way. My God. Dracula has to be destroyed. We can't fail. So before we get into the spoilery section of this, we're going to start off spoiler-free, and we'll warn you before we get to those. So John, spoiler free opinions. What do you think? This is a beautiful show. 
it it re- kind of reminds me of how great we thought Enchanted was, and uh, it's just as good as season one. And this is, I don't know, maybe looks better. Um, it's just a beautiful show, and I like how the beginning of the show is very slow paced. And of course, they you know get you back into what the you know the previous season was, which we'll talk a little bit about that in spoilers. And then it kind of takes its time. It's not rushing anywhere. You know what I mean? It's going to give you it's it's building up the tone. It's building up the world. It's building up the characters. And for and I'll talk specifically about characters I liked and spoilers, but the characters are cool. The new stuff it brings in is really interesting. It doesn't get terribly ham fisted, although I think some of the dialogue and with some of the characters will talk a little bit about that in season two is a little weird. But but I think largely it's just really cool. And when it's funny, it's kind of fun. Um, and, it, and it doesn't even like have a problem being a little juvenile at points. I remember one time where um, Trevor and Alucard, they're kind of like don't love each other in the season. They're not like the best <laughs> friends. And, you know, the, um, yeah, the yeah, magic they- user. They get on each other's nerves, especially in the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and the magic user, I forget what her name is. She's like, hey, uh, you Sifa. guys like a what? Uh, Sifa, I think it was. S- Sifa, or right. Sifa. S- Sifa, right. So she's like, hey, you guys be, you know, cool. And they're like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You shouldn't die. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Um, they're, you know, there's so the, the, the show can, you know, pull off a couple tones and I don't think it makes it you know, really weird. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really good show. Um, I'm going to kind of save my overall thoughts on it compared to other video game shows. Um, when we sort of talk about, um, our rating for it, but yeah, Castlevania season two, it's really, really good. Cool. What do you think, Tim? Yeah. So John mentioned that the, the animation in this is beautiful and, uh, one thing I want to really highlight is the action scenes. Now, the the fight scenes are, you know, they're it's over the top. It's a, a little bit, you know, kind of kind of like from anime where, you know, everything's mm-hmm. overly dramatic and, you know, breaking the laws of physics. And there's no telling how long uh, Trevor's whip is because it seems to change from scene to scene. But you can always it's as tell- long as it needs to be to kill <laughs> it is everything. always as long <laughs> as it needs to be. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, in all the fight scenes, no matter how crazy it's getting, uh, what's going on, you can always tell what's happening on the screen. And that's better than I can say for a lot of live action, like action movies. Just, I don't know, for some reason, a lot of like fight scenes and action movies, they, with the cinematography and stuff, it's really hard to tell like, what's actually happening on the screen, who's actually hitting who, what they're actually doing. But uh, I noticed that in this show, like, it makes a point of letting you see the action, and you can tell, like, every hit, every, you know, thing the characters are doing. It's, it it was great. It, It was very refreshing to actually be able to watch a fight scene and see exactly what's going on. Um yeah, the the effects were really good. The character designs are great. The monsters all look incredible. They did an excellent job with uh with art direction on this. It's hard to get into a lot of details about the show before we get into the spoilers. Yeah. But uh in our season 1 review, I mentioned that I was kind of surprised that they did not bring in any music 
from the uh, from the games, especially in a series that's known for having really great music. Well, I am happy to say they did work in some game music in this season, and when and they saved it for an amazing scene. And when it finally kicks in, like I, I seriously I would like did like a fist pump while I was watching this because like yes, that's awesome. They okay, they was saved that it in for, episode seven when. Yes, things, okay. <laughs> I heard that, and I was like, I "Bloody think tears!" This is yeah, video, right like, when video game. That's cool. yeah, at the best moment in episode seven, which may have been the best episode this season. Uh, they they brought out bloody tears, um, and it was incredible. <laughs> so well done. Yeah, like you guys have said, I was like the first thing I was going to mention was the the animation. It is just so beautifully done and john you mentioned our discussion about disenchantment and i kind of had the same thoughts about that the way they meld like 3d backgrounds with 2d foreground animation was fantastic i also really enjoyed the music and like you said tim that like the use of that one track from the video game which i suspected but didn't know it was from the video game was so effective but the music always did a really good job of setting the mood and complemented the visuals really well. Um, I felt like it kind of elevated itself past video game adaptation to the point where I was like a couple of times I thought, man, I really wish they'd make a video game out of this. And like, wait, they already <laughs> kind of did that. Yeah. But, but they didn't. Well, actually, I have a question about that. Okay. I was actually thinking about that today. If they made a video, I think they, if they made a video game, from like an adaptation of the TV show, would you guys buy it? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm not sure they if this plot has been done verbatim the way it was in a video game before. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of pick and choosing yeah. different parts from different games, um, right? Like uh, uh, we can go over a little bit more in the spoilers, but yeah, they sure. they pick from like they pick characters and plot lines from a couple of the uh, games and kind of mash it all together into one story. But um, they, they do a really good job of coming up with a, you know, a, a good plot based on yep. yeah. the video games, which kind of don't have a lot of plot. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. They just start out with a premise. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of, you know, along the lines of video games, I thought a few times that the, the three heroes kind of acted like an RPG party. A lot of the times with each of them having, their own strengths that complement each other. And I thought it was a really good way to tell their story. Um, yeah, I, I liked how the, the mood was pretty, pretty straightforward, dark and bad shit is happening, but they peppered in humor where it was appropriate. And like, for example, this isn't a big spoiler, but my, they're in, looking through a bookshelf in sci-fi. It's like, Oh, an entire book of spells about, penises i just freaking lost it at that point <laughs> but yeah the, the, the alucard ribs are you sure that wasn't under trevor's bed right right yeah the like you mentioned the rapport between alucard and trevor and that was really perfectly done i loved the two of them kind of bickering but yeah i thought the the my only real complaint is that a couple of the actors where it kind of act, felt like they were phoning it in like Hector's actor. It just sometimes felt really flat. Like he was just kind of reading lines, but for the most part, 
the voice cast was stellar. I mean, you had Peter Stormare in as a new character, Godbrand, who was freaking hilarious. And um, I don't remember her name, but she played Lila in Dexter, if you've watched that. And she was crazy in Dexter. She's crazy again in this as Lila. Uh, no, sorry, as Carmilla. And uh, we'll talk more about Carmilla later, I'm sure. But man, she added a new wrinkle to the plot. But yeah, overall, I think this is a much better season than the first one, and I'm looking forward to the third. Absolutely. So let's get into some spoilery goodness here. John, why don't you give us a recap of season one so you, we know where we've come from? In Netflix show Castlevania season one, we start out with Dracula meeting a human woman. This human woman and Dracula foster a relationship over time. Dracula on one hand being a uh, magic using vampire, the woman being a science loving medicine nurse thing, doctor. Anyways, they get married. And then one day, Dracula's out and about doing what Dracula does, hanging out with folks, talking to the locals in other countries, and the church comes a rap tap tapping. And when the church comes rap tap tapping, they're a little upset because Dracula's wife is healing people using medicine instead of an ancient religion that's dead and doesn't do anything except control people. So they do what some religions have done in the past, which is burn her at the stake. <laughs> that pisses off Dracula because, hey, that's my wife, yo. Anyways, so they fridge Dracula's wife. Dracula's like, lol, humanity, time to die, gonna go to war with humanity. And then bad stuff happens. And then Trevor shows up and he's a drunk son of a bitch. And he gets in some fights with people. And then he realizes that people dying is bad because Dracula's attacking them. And then he meets up with a lady, uh, uh, Sifa. And they work together and then they realize that there's something they got to go get. And the thing that they go get is Dracula's son, Alucard, who is like, I hate Dracula too, guys. And they're all like, yeah, let's kick his ass together. And they're like, shit, yeah. And then they're a group and then it ends. Season one is over. That's my recap. And then season two picks up with the with Trevor, Sypha, and Alucard on their way to stop Dracula, and Dracula's war is in motion trying to rid humanity. So, Tim, from that point on, what did you think of season two? Well, uh, season two, <clears throat> I mean, it literally picks up right where season one ends. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, you, it basically, uh, it, it picks up with a flashback of Lisa before having been burned at the stake. You see, basically, when the church first uh, came for her, and then right after the flashback, you're basically back in the present seeing uh, uh, Trevor and Alucard and Sifa in the town while they're cleaning up the aftermath from the, the big climactic battle at the end of the first season. So it, it picks up right where the first one left off. Um, pretty much immediately, we're introduced to a host of new characters. 
uh, we get to see Dracula's War Council, uh, specifically meeting Godbrand, who's uh, the most notable of the the vampires we meet in this episode. And Love the, Godbrand. Wanted more Godbrand. We got oh, a lot of Godbrand this he season. Was so, so good. He was so good. <laughs> yeah, so good. And I say so good because we're in spoilers because he dies. I and know. Yeah. I was so bummed, but I really, well, I want to, we'll also talk about something else too, but they're not, this, this show is not, um, precious about characters, no. which I think is to <laughs> its no. credit. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in season two, they've already killed off, uh, Dracula, who was the big bad you know exactly Mm -hmm. can we talk about that one for a minute yeah Yeah, let's let's do it okay i did not expect when i watched season two that for a show based on the castlevania property which every game you're killing dracula i think mostly that they kill him in season two i was like what he's like gone like that was bold i thought very unexpected did not see that coming what what did you guys think well, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I was a little surprised they killed him off this early. Although I will say that in the games, uh, Dracula does have a history of being killed and then coming back multiple times. So sure, it may not necessarily be the last time we see Dracula. Although it does seem like they are setting up a season three without him and having you know one of the other vampires be the the big bad. But if they come on, come uh, back for a season four, they definitely could have Dracula just yep. find his way back to the mortal coil or the. And we actually coil. have two characters that could end up being the big bad for the next season. We've got Carmilla, who was a great addition to this season. So great. She is so awesome. And props to the voice actress. Like every line she gives is great. And then just her like gleeful laughter while she's beating Hector at the end. Mm. Yeah, is that's really it was really sad. Oh, so wow. like, yeah, it's cold, man. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so cold the way she is straight up giggling, like as she's beating him after putting a, a collar on him, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got Isaac, the, the other Devil Forge master, uh, who basically wanted to stay with Dracula. And was willing to sacrifice his life to try and save Dracula. But Dracula throws him through basically a magic mirror to save his life. Um, And then Isaac goes on to basically, uh, since we're in spoiler territory, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, Yeah, he he murders some uh, slavers who come across him. And then turns them into his own little undead minions. And basically (laughs) says, I'm going to start my own army now. (laughs) so yeah so we've got a couple big bads lined up for season three here so uh we we kind of started talking about the new characters so let's uh let's jump in there what did you guys think of hector and isaac the two uh devil forge masters yeah i thought they were a great addition like i i have never haven't played much of the castlevania games that got more of a plot so i don't know if they're new to the series as a whole yeah so they were introduced in curse of darkness that was a a playstation 2 castlevania and one of the games in the series that i have played gotcha Um, and i was actually very surprised to see them 
in this one because I felt like Curse of Darkness was kind of uh, I mean, it, it got good reviews, but it wasn't it's it's never in anybody's list of like favorite Castlevanias. Sure. Um, I I played it. I thought it was a lot of fun, but I was actually very surprised that they pulled these characters into the show uh, and was pleasantly surprised to see them, you know, be a. Uh, not just a, a nice addition, but they were pretty central to the the plot moving forward. Yeah, I thought that their their introduction, uh, you know, I was wondering, hey, who the hell are these guys? But then they you know, through the series, they're kind of telling you their backstory and why they hate humanity and really want to help Dracula with his plan. And man, they're just sad. They're very sad characters who got kind of twisted by the torment they went through. And each of yeah. them kind of kind of snap toward the end, I guess, with, you know, yeah, they are both we, some very broken people and they do not end up in a good place at the end. <laughs> no, you talked about Isaac. Hector basically goes along with Carmilla. Carmilla kind of, uh, convinces him that it's in his and Dracula's best interest. If she is allowed to do these things and he kind of gets won over by that and then ends up being kind of enslaved by her at the end. It's really sad, but, yeah, the great characters, both of them. Like, like I said in the spoiler-free, I kind of felt like Hector's voice acting was a little spotty, but for the most part, I it was still okay. And the the character's writing was great. Yeah, he um, I I don't know, because in the show they they mentioned that he's got you know he, he's a bit naive, and it, the character is played that way. But sometimes the the voice acting didn't quite sell us on that. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, it, it was still pretty good. And the voice actor still did a, a good enough job. And the fact that the show itself is so high quality just kind of lifts everybody up. <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, even though, like, he may not have been our favorite voice actor, that's not to say that he did a, a poor job. It's just that everybody yeah, else agreed. did such an amazing job. That's a really good way to put it, yeah. One thing I liked about the show is how it the forge masters had they started bringing in rules to the universe right so forge masters can bring undead things back to life right and that was kind of cool about hector's character because he was just a kid that liked bringing things back to life as a kid and he got in trouble because he liked reanimating dead (sighs) things yeah to be Um, fair though to be fair if my kids brought home a zombie dog i would probably freak (laughs) out too At first, and then he'd be like, but dad, this is just the thing I like to do. Why can't you like things I like? And I'd be like, well, it's a good point, I guess. But he smells, dude. Outside, maybe. Um, um, One of the things I thought was really interesting is some of the stuff that they brought back, Hector, was just a dog just back to life. And then some of the stuff they brought back was like turned into like a gargoyle or something. So... Mm -hmm. Um, this is yeah. kind of like I, there's they did bring in some rules and some other stuff, which I want to talk about a little bit later. But then in some instances, I'm not really sure. Like, OK, like this person's just a magician and they're just doing this stuff. But like what what's the power? What's this? I think that really good sci fi, really good fantasy does kind of have rules baked in else. It's just like I'm going to overpower you. You know what I mean? And you're not really sure what it's grounded in. It just seems yeah. like they're just going to. And that's very anime, I suppose, but I kind of like rules and I kind of like understanding that to give the world stakes and have it be to that. I mean, this is a small critique of it, but hopefully in the next season, there's more of that. Um, And I mean, just kind of understanding 
power and magic and who has what and that kind of thing. Um, but one thing I really liked about the season very much is that they open up the lore quite a lot. So you get more you get more uh, just a little bit over time backstory. For instance, Dracula has a war council in the first season. There was nothing like that. They added all the new characters in. they kind of expand the world a little bit more. You find out Wallachia is just a country in a larger universe. Also, then they hinted at this in season one, but they really just hammer it home in this one that um, back in the day, people were a lot more science minded and a lot smarter. And in this and now in the future, they're not. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the bootleg universe and that. But I thought that was really interesting. And they really hammered that point home quite a few times as, you know, um, yeah, that was really, really neat. Um, one thing that I also liked at the end was they, um, like you mentioned in the the second to last episode, they killed Dracula, which was like, what? We're doing this now? Yeah, and, and not um, even in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And it was, uh, and, and all the episodes were like less than 30 minutes. And so it's just... It, Anyways, it was really cool. So um, in the last episode, they actually um, set up the universe and all the bosses that I imagine they're going to attack moving forward. So they so Alucard stays at the castle, which Dracula's castle is now frozen next to Trevor Belmont's house. Um, They go into the, you know, the basement of Trevor's house and there's a ton of writings and lore and everything that the Belmont's learned over the years. And by the way, Trevor can't read which is a really interesting addition to his character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Alucard and Sifa can. Um, and so they decide at the end, uh, at the last episode, that Alucard is going to stay in the castle and at Trevor Belmont's house, and he's going to rebuild it so that people don't steal all of the stuff and just turn it into kind of a tomb. So they split them up, which I think is a really interesting idea because it means that, firstly, it means that you could do different shows i suppose but it also means you could have different plot lines right so you could have alucard doing this for a couple episodes and you could have trevor and sifa doing that for a couple episodes and it's also good because you can't have them they're so powerful you really have to split them up right they killed dracula if you want to give the world stakes again you need to kind of like break the the power up a little bit so i I like the way they did that plus they kind of give alucard a very a very morose ending. Um, he's not thrilled that he killed his dad, by the way, um, with the, with the other people. And I thought that was a really interesting play on that because it's his dad who he doesn't hate. You know, he just speaking thinks, of uh, yeah. the voice actors again, uh, that end scene with Alucard where how they end the season with basically just him. What starts off right. as like this quiet, like sob that turns into a full on crying mm-hmm. like the the voice actor sold that so well yeah Yeah. and yeah you brought up the new characters so let's let's talk a bit more about godbrand because man peter (laughs) peter stormare is great in everything that he touches like he is just that kind of actor but godbrand was so freaking hilarious i mean the first scene that you really see is like somebody i can't remember who like making fun of him being a viking and liking to build boats like i'm a viking we build boats yeah i think it was hector (laughs) he's like You've never met anything that you haven't first tried to kill, fuck, or make out of, or make into a boat. <laughs> right, right, right. That's it. Yeah, and just you know, that's his introduction. He is kind of comic relief, but he's also really dangerous and really powerful. And in fact, he's the only one of Dracula's War Council, aside from Hector and Isaac, 
that I can remember. The original War Council, anyway. Carmilla comes in and joins, but he's got more yeah. people there, and I don't remember any of them. They were kind of just filler, but Godbrand, man, he stood out. Yeah, and I just want to say again that I was a little disappointed that he died, but again, I, I like that they're not precious with the characters, which I think means that they're going to come up with more awesome characters moving forward. And it, it, it kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones and that, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to die. My 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 question then is, are the main characters going to die? Right. Is there a Castlevania so show without uh, a Belmont in it? Right. And then my other questions are like, OK, so they set it up to Trevor and Sifa having kind of a relationship as they're going to be like, you know, I don't know the Castlevania history in that, but I know Trevor's not one of the first Belmonts. So is like, I don't know, like, let's say in a world where I knew Castlevania lore and I don't that <laughs> like Simon or um, was after Trevor, maybe, maybe that's a character that'll come in later. Like, you know, or the original character from the first Castlevania. I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a show that like they're going to jump forward in time a little bit or it's just going to continue on, you know, next week kind of thing like the, this show did, which was, you know, season two just kind of came out next day. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I mean, some of the games don't have a Belmont as the main character, uh, so I suppose it's entirely possible that they could do a season without a Belmont. Yeah, wasn't Alucard the lead in one game? Yeah, Alucard was the lead in Symphony of... Symphony of the Night, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, well, Hector's the main character in Curse of Darkness, although there is uh, a Belmont who shows up as a side character. Um, but I th- I don't think you play as him. Maybe that's something you can unlock in the game, but he's not, like, a main character. Yeah, I hadn't considered the idea of multiple I guess a season from a different point of view and then another season from a different point of view or even different shows altogether but when the way it ended up I kind of felt like what they'd probably do in season three was a time skip and you know maybe Trevor and Sypha are off living happily and Alucard's brooding and then either Isaac or Carmilla are causing enough destruction that they've got to come back together to stop whoever it is I don't know they could they left it open kind of wide open to go a thousand different ways if they want to. Yeah, they left themselves a lot of room. A lot. So so I looked it up. Um Simon Belmont, according to Wikipedia, sits at the top and then comes Trevor, Christopher, Soyliu, another Simon, <laughs> someone called Justy, Belmont, Richter, and then Julia. So Uh, I don't know if they're going to do all these characters or if Trevor has kids or whatever. I think that'd be kind of interesting if they give the world a lot more legs in that way. It'd be kind of interesting. But yeah, I imagine in season three, they're going to open up more um, vampire characters. Um, I I mean, I really hope so. Um, Yeah, because it would be really great. Because again, when they added Godbrand, they added a new flavor to the show, which is kind of a character who's just as gritty as Trevor 
um, you know, and, you know, just as kind of like fun and, you know, sort of like hearty or whatnot. And so I thought that was really cool that they added him in because I really don't like bad guys that are a little one note. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dracula was uh, a really great character, but he was just kind of a brooding, dark, kind of wanted to die character. Very. Yeah. And uh, Carmela's cool. Um, it's funny how she starts out the show, too, because you think she's one way. You think she's just, oh, you know, just kind of like a. Just kind of like a, I don't know, a, a rich kind of person, you know, one of the aristocracy. And then she turns out to be one of the most um, intelligent vampires around. Um, you know, she just kind of like worked that situation way to her advantage. Actually, it turned out way better than she could have possibly imagined. So I really kind of like how she starts out one way and then sort of flips and becomes something quite different at the end. Um, yeah, she seems almost just harmless, a little mouth, like she's definitely seems strong, but didn't, I didn't really see all that coming, which I thought was a really great sort of reveal to her character moving forward. Yeah. When she first makes her appearance, like one of the first things she does is basically starts opening or openly questioning Dracula in front of his war council. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. like, oh, she's not going to last long, (laughs) you know, like Dracula's going to kill her. (laughs) Nope. No, she uh, she ends up taking command. <laughs> yeah, her her whole strategy there was really solid. Like you said, questioning Dracula's orders and plans in front of everybody and then working on people privately to try to flip them and like working on Hector, trying to get him to flip Isaac for her. So it doesn't seem like her hands in like everything going on. It's, it worked really well. And it was believably written, too. Like, this was just a really smart plan, and she won. What she didn't count on was Sypha moving the castle. That kind of put a bit of a dent in her plan there at the end, but I, you know, she still came out on top in terms of the vampire power structure, I guess. And that, uh, that led to, you know, a little bit of that kind of humor in the series is after uh, Sypha basically summons the castle to their location, the castle is like, thrashing around trying to like fight off the spell and so it's like crashing through the town where this big battle is going on between <laughs> uh carmilla's forces and dracula's forces and then the castle just vanishes and she looks up and just says what the fuck just happened <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah they don't know what happened i thought yeah. that was actually really cool that they left that yeah the the the, the show didn't just you know, magically broadcast to them what happened. They really had no clue, which I thought was really, really crack writing. Um, good job, Warren Ellis. Good job. Yeah. I loved speaking of her plan. I loved her idea of resurrecting the Bishop from the first season played by Matt Frewer to bless the water so that all the Blesses vampires the entire into river, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The whole river. And then <laughs> that was a, a really good idea. And then a bridge collapsing the bridge. And, yeah. That yeah, was, that was good. Brutal. When she was doing it, I'm like, okay, what is, what are they doing? I thought like it was going to turn the water into blood, but it didn't, it blessed it. And I'm like, oh, that's actually smarter. Cause why would you turn into blood? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. That's really cool. My generals, in killing my wife, humanity has proven to me that they don't deserve the earth. We will scour them off the land. So we recently got some news that 
uh, Adi Shankar, the showrunner for Castlevania, is doing a new show about the Devil May Cry series in a shared bootleg universe where there could be some crossover between the shows. We might see Dante pop up in Castlevania. So, John, what do you think about that news? I think it's really interesting. It, I believe this is what I mentioned in the review of the show. I think this when they're talking about, hey, you know, we were more science minded in the past and we'd lost that. I believe that's the Devil May Cry tie in. I think that Devil May Cry universe hmm. is the past and the vampires live on in that Devil May Cry. You know, something happened, the, you know, post-apocalyptic and, you know, post-apocalyptic and Devil May Cry. And then Dracula lives on you know, as kind of like an extension of that. That's a guess. OK. Um, and yeah, I don't think you're going to see characters show up, but you might see like something happen in Devil May Cry. And then and and in, in, uh, that, you know, they have and then they set something up that shows off in the show later. You know what I mean? They're in like a, a ruin in Castlevania that was a set in Devil May Cry or something like that. Maybe a character that's, you know, holed up in the ground comes, you know, from Devil May Cry comes over to Castlevania or whatever. But I think it's a really interesting idea. And um, if it's anything like Castlevania, I can't wait for the new show because it's going to be amazing. And I've Mm -hmm. really never played a Devil May Cry game. So I am super stoked about this just because Castlevania and Ari Shankar's Adi Shankar is incredible as a producer. So. Yeah, I agree. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, so I I heard the announcement of the Devil May Cry show, and immediately I I was fully on board. (laughs) It's the same team that's putting together the Castlevania one, because they're killing it in this genre right now. Um, But uh, it wasn't until we were getting prepped for this uh, show that I saw that they're um, actually going to be connected, which I'm very curious to see how they're going to do. Because... Now, I'm not super familiar with the Devil May Cry series, but they're not a share like they don't share a universe with the Castlevania games, do they? No. Yeah. No, they so don't. I'm curious to see how they're going to blend that in. Um, but uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, I've played all but well, no, I guess I've played all the Devil May Cry games. I didn't play much of Devil May Cry 2, but that one was not amazing. But yeah, when I first heard about this news, which was honestly about two hours before recording this. Um, I was pretty stoked. Um, I think that, you know, it seems like Castlevania takes place in medieval times, but Devil May Cry takes place in very modern times. So unless there's been some sort of a major, almost extinction level event that shoved everybody back to the dark ages, I'm not sure how they could connect the two unless they just use time travel, which, you know, it's a, it's two different game series about magic. So I'm sure there's time travel that they could pull in, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's great news because it's the same team running Castlevania and the, the devil may cry anime that came out, uh, you know, 10 years ago was not, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't great, but I'd love to see more of Dante. I've always loved that character and I can't wait to see more. Human scheme and betray. They all must die. Imagine it. A world without humans. Okay, everybody. It's time to rate Castlevania Season 2 on the ghost scale. Tim. 
it's easily a must watch in my book. The season one was great. Season two is better. Uh, why are you not watching this show? It is so easy to binge in one night because they're fairly short seasons and it's just great. Go watch it as soon as you're done listening to us. John. So the series producer said that the original season of Castlevania was so popular on Netflix that Netflix signed them all the way up to season three. And wow, that's awesome. So they're already planning up to that. And I really hope the show continues to be like really popular because you guys can keep going because it's so fun. Um, it's it's really dark. There's a lot of violence in it. It's, it's it's really more than a little bit of dark, actually. But um, wow, it's just fantastic. And Netflix just has so much great stuff. And I think this might be one of the best video game movie slash TV show ad- adaptations I've ever seen. And it might as well be a movie. You could just take these episodes and slam them together and you have a film. Right. Right. Um, so it's probably the best that I've seen, you know, and just in terms of art and it does something different. It's kind of, it elevates the material a lot. Um, a lot of these kinds of like video game things, you know, you go see them cause it's something you've heard of and it's not much better. I mean, the games are generally speaking better, you know, just a better experience, but this kind of elevates it. And it's, uh, I don't know, it, it really kind of showcases what you can do and have your own voice, um, doing a video game thing. So it's absolutely a must watch. No question about it. If you don't like dark stuff, if, if, if you, if you kind of like, don't like the blood and, you know, seeing bad things happen, isn't really your cup of tea. Absolutely. Do not see this. It's not a must watch for you, but it's, it's great. And, uh, I can't wait for more and we're going to get more cause it was wildly popular. I imagine the season is more so. Yeah. Castlevania must watch. Yeah, I can't do much more but echo what you guys have said. It's absolutely a must watch. Everything everything about it was really beautifully done. That it ramps up everything from season 1 in a very good way. <laughs> like you said it's very brutal. If you don't like animated brutality, maybe skip it. But go watch season 1. It's like 2 hours of your life. Check that out and then I'm sure you'll want to watch season 2 because it's just it's amazing through and through. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. <laughs>